You smell something? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to work great in the edit. That's why, or rather, it just worked great in the edit. Um, hello. Welcome. This welcome is back. another episode of the Oroch Digital How to Make a Video Game podcast with Matthew of the Galaxy Walker and... Gem, Crowbar Crow. <laughs> crowbar Crow. Are we, we going to stick Crow on the end of Crowbar? I mean, it works. Well, it's fine. nah, Crowbar's cool. Just Gem Crowbar. Just crowbar. You know it's going to end up just being crowbar. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It's As like, we said before, violent you... but useful. <laughs> it's going to, where's crowbar gone? I don't know, she's making a tea. <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to open a door by force. <laughs> right, okay. Jem, sorry, crowbar. This yep. is um, this is a moment in the sun for me. Yeah. Now, of course, we've we, in this season, we're, we've if, if you have or have not listened to it yet, we're talking Harry Potter in this season. Uh, we're talking real fandoms yeah. in this season. And this is something we've kind of dipped our toes in a bit in previous seasons. But yeah, so this is my big, my big sheet <laughs> of notes. Of paper. Okay, it's eight pages long. We will get into the, the, the breadth of it. And I'm really, really glad too that Peter the Warlock Willington is yeah. in on this episode too, because... He's awesome. Um, he's going to be able to fill in a lot of blanks for me. I mean, I know the games, uh, or I thought I did until I started <laughs> doing this research, but he knows the development studios and the publishers yeah. really, really well. And he'll be able to give us a backstory and a bit of history on who these guys were, yeah. if you're not already he's familiar He's got a really with. good knowledge of that. Yeah. So we're going to go on to the games now. But just before we do that, I'm just going to read a little excerpt from the manual. In fact, let me just go back. We've got a couple of artifacts in the studio today, Jim. I love this sound as well. So this is me opening the case of the 1984 David Crane Commodore 64 Ghostbusters. And here's the manual. So, hey, anybody seen a ghost? Matter of fact, yes. Many, many ghosts are right now winging their way to the infamous Spook Central. And only you can avert a disaster of biblical proportions. To save the city, you must make it to the top of the Temple of Zul. This can only be accomplished after you've caught many ghosts earned more money than you originally started with, and sidestepped constant danger. Now go ahead, show them how they do it downtown. Let's start the episode. <laughs> so here we go, guys. Right? We're talking about Ghostbusters games, but before we get into the notes, I want to just, I want to foley a sound for you, okay? <laughs> Pete, I'm going to give this to you. Uh-huh. And what I want you to do, you can pass it around. Feel free to pass things around because we've got some relics, of course, in the in the studio. Well, but this sound, I love that sound. Right. What is that sound? That is the sound of a cassette, okay, from the 1984 Ghostbusters, specifically <laughs> on, uh, this is Commodore 64 by David Crane, okay? So we are going to be talking a bit about that. So I'm going to just leave that there. So I didn't even know you got games on cassettes i didn't i oh, had yeah of course i had the full harry potter audiobooks collections on cassette so that's <laughs> what that reminds me of our harry potter again is that where gaming started for you pete what tapes because because we're we're old enough no man for oh, me for man. me it was cartridges like it was 2600 cartridges so i'm i'm a fan i'm a fan of the tape and i'm a fan of the <laughs> all these like horrible tech sounds yeah. that like horrible then endearing then Endearing, but also like kind of feels like the start of a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> like here, these gamer sounds only kids from the nineties will understand. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. Uh, there's nothing else like it. But dial up, <laughs> dial up. It's basically uh, dial up video games. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. All right. So we're going to start at the beginning. Um, there's a lot of games to get through, so some we will sort of skim over. Okay, but there are a select few that I've singled out as being to me a little bit more significant than the yeah. others. Okay, so uh -huh. let's start at the beginning, okay? So 1984, Ghostbusters film comes out. It's an overnight success. Uh -huh. Absolutely massive. 
critically, commercially, absolutely... Gangbusters. Gangbusters, you say a lot. Mm. Absolutely gangbusters, smashed it, right? So naturally, the studio like, money. Let's make some money from this. And the first, the original Ghostbusters game, the sort of David Crane designed, gets ported everywhere. Like, there's so many versions of it, but there's also kind of different, slightly different iterations of it as well. Like with so, the Harry Potter ones? Yeah. Um, so this original one was on the Apple II, Commodore 64, Amstrad CPC. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the PC and the ZX Spectrum, Atari 8-bit, Atari 2600, and the MSX. Right, yeah. Jeez. So those okay. are all very different hardware specs. Mm. So you were, And also, um, you're in the era of, like, visual... Uh, of like graphics chips providing very different visual styles. Mm. So like the CPC makes a very different visual style to a ZX Spectrum. Yeah. So like a lot of like, so, so for example, you know, on some of those devices, you'll have a lot of just black screen and then like a few different colors being able to be rendered at once. Whereas other very high end devices at the time might be able to show 16 colors Whoa. on the screen at one wow. time. I know. Um, and so, yeah, visually all of these games look very different, even though they might play quite similar or mm. have oh, okay. like similar levels and themes and stuff. This is why I'm so glad that Peter Willington is in on this episode because there's so many holes that need filling because I'm a big fan of Ghostbusters but right. until doing this research there were designers publishers even games themselves that I didn't even know existed yeah and so, names I'd never come across before so you mentioned David Crane mm -hmm. so uh, this is one of the so back in the day obviously designers and pro designers and programmers were often the same people mm -hmm. and they uh, the a very small set of people tended to be the people who made most of the games so david crane also did pitfall which is a very famous mm. like uh, activision game um in fact i think it was the big game that really pushed activision to be massive i think he did some versions of like grand prix he did like a weird skateboarding game um yeah, like he he did a lot of stuff. I think he was like active until like the mid nineties, maybe. Wow. So he he's definitely done a lot, and he did this, you know, he did this Ghostbusters game, and bless him, <laughs> he tried. Well, to be fair, to be fair, I was just saying to, to Mike before we went live was that this original one from the from the digging that I was able to do uh, went down pretty well. It was yeah. it was quite it was very successful because Ghostbusters was new, it was fresh. Everyone was absolutely digging this new property, right? So kids were just lapping it up. They're like, great, a Ghostbusters game didn't care what it looked like, didn't care what it played like, just wanted to bust some ghosts, right? And kind of feel like a Ghostbuster when you were doing it. So as we mentioned, this de uh, developed by David Crane, published by Activision. The genre is, I think by default, it's an action game. Action. Yeah. I call it a strategic business simulation game. <laughs> because, okay, because like when you kind of break it down, the gameplay surrounds a very... Um, a very vulgar simulation of a business, right? Sure. You're running a Ghostbuster business. You ha you have a uh, a default set of money to start the game with. You bust some ghosts. You make more money. You then upgrade your gear um, to be able to catch more ghosts, catch them quicker. All these kind of you know uh, general upgrades you'd expect to kind of see in a game. But you bust, as I say, you bust ghosts to buy and upgrade equipment. Um, you negotiate the city grid. Um, you drive to locations when a ghost sighting occurs uh, and. I think this one in particular featured an early version of passwords for home computers. It also used a patented form of compression to produce that famous Ghostbusters in the title yeah, as so well. It is the electronic speech systems out of right. Berkeley. So this is obviously very early on, 84? Yeah, 84. yeah, yeah. So voice recognition, um, not voice recognition. So 
voice synthesis was mm. extremely early. Uh, yeah. Often you would have to have dedicated hardware to replicate a sound that enabled you to have a voice, mm. essentially, in a game. Like like um, you might have a graphics card today, mm. you would have a, vo like a voice card. Yeah. But what was amazing and um, was that this Vox sample was produced in Sony without requiring yeah, external that hardware. Was the big that was the big deal oh, at the so time. Have it's so, Ghostbusters. Yeah, so you, you yeah. listen back to it now, and of course, yeah, it sounds incredibly scratchy and very, very dated. But for the time, and it literally sounds like Ghostbusters, just like that. And you're like, cool, I'm busting some ghosts now. Yes. So I've marked that one as quite significant because it was the first game and it just set. A, a bit of a bar. As I say, you go back and play it now, it's not easy to play now. It doesn't mm. it? hasn't aged very well. No. But it's significant as hell. Mm. So that's 1984. We move on to 1986. Some of the dates kind of jump around a bit because the same game would have been released. So this one in particular, the Ghostbusters NES, so it's the same game, NES, uh, ported to the NES, released in 86 in Japan, 88 in North America. So some of these, the, the dates jump around a bit. Yep. Apologize if I'm there kind of a bit ropey. Developed by BitSlab, again published by Activision, and it's the same game, basically. Um, but the reception, compared to the first one, was extremely negative. So we've gone from, like, super pretty positive, you know, very, 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 very good, but extremely negative. The crit critics and fans hated the supposed monotonous gameplay, poor graphics and sound, and an unfair difficulty curve. But I've played both of those, and... Feels like the same game. Same game. When did you say those games came out on the NES? So uh, again, apologies. Eighty-six in Japan. Yeah. Eighty-eight in North America. So I don't know about Europe. Four years after the tape version came out. Mm. So four years after it came out. I mean, like again, I think we we think of like four years now. Like you could easily have like an HD remake of like they just you know you see like Sleeping Dogs on yeah. PS4. It's yeah, like yeah. Mid PS3 era game. You think yeah, this is still good. Whereas like you go back to eighty-four and then you play a game like two years later and it is like. They were it's learning so much, I guess. So fast. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, you're, you're seeing stuff like, um, you know, you're seeing, well, as I say, like David Crane did Pitfall, right? Pitfall was like one of the first proper 2D platformers with like a big adventure in it. Mm. And that's like in comparison to uh, other stuff of the time, like, you know, single screen arcade platformers. Like it's such a massive leap forward mm. that in the course of four years, like I can totally see why people were like, oh. Yeah. I mean, the license was just being churned around all over the place. I mean, sure. I am going to kind of skip over this one because this this very, very game, in fact, just staying on the NES, sorry, there was an additional level added to the NES version where you climb the stairs. Yes. Um, and I think I've played that and that is ridiculous. ridiculously the, the hit detection hard. is really, really poor as well. So you kind of, You've got like three, four, maybe five ghosts just randomly just floating around this incredibly long staircase. And you move the Ghostbusters in, in tandem, just three of them. Winston didn't feature. It's just going up one step. You walk along, you go back up, you go on, you go up. It goes on and on and on whilst trying to avoid these ghosts. And quite frankly, they could be on the other side of the screen and you'll still receive a hit. Like it was pretty poor. Yeah. And it just I doesn't can sound see fun. It's not. It doesn't. <laughs> like, it's not fun. That's but they were the like, main well, thing. A game needs to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Rule number one make it fun. Yeah. Okay. Anything else is fine. They're like, fun, please. <laughs> now, this was actually the first version I played of the game, which was on the Sega Mass system. Okay. So 87 uh, released in the US and Europe, I think, I believe. Developed by Compile, okay, uh, published by Activision again. And again, same game. It's a strategic business simulation. But the the graphics for me, th this felt like a video game for me. Like the, the, the sprites were a, a bit better designed. The gameplay just seemed a little bit more refined. I, this is from memory and having just watched a few things on YouTube. And it was awesome at the time. But again, 
uh, the reception as above was slammed. <laughs> it was it got absolutely slammed for being all of those things before. Extremely negative. Critics and fans hated it. Monotonous gameplay, poor graphics, sound, unfair difficulty. That kind of hurts me because that held such significance for me. That game, that one in particular, the masters. But that's but also like not to not to speak too disparagingly of like young Matt, but like <laughs> <laughs> but like. Our tastes refine as we grow older. Young Matt was a little like, bit stupid. The fact that you know three of the four Ghostbusters are on the front of this tape cut tape thing. It's like I can be some of my favourite characters. Like maybe that's enough. <laughs> See, I, I remember Thomas making a point on um, nostalgia being quite a, uh, like a polarising thing. It, it can cloud your judgement massively, yeah, hugely, because nostalgia is can be so dense. You you just protect it at all costs. And it's the same with that Master System one. Without having played that, like I wouldn't be a, a fan of Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters now, really. Um, but yeah, nostalgia, still give it a hug. But this is where things start to change, okay? So in 87 uh, in the US, the cartoon is a huge success by this point. Uh, which starts Real Ghostbusters. In Real Ghostbusters, oh, I okay? I love that. Um, that was actually the first, uh, the first point for me. That was kind of what sparked my interest. Because I thought the cartoon was first, and then they made a video game of the cartoon. I remember being at um, someone's birthday party as like a seven-year-old and they had some film on whilst we were just, you know, eating cake and being stupid. Um, but it was Ghostbusters 2 on VHS. So I was like, oh, so my little, my little seven-year-old brain was like, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so there's a cartoon which is awesome. I've played the video game on my master system and yet there's a, get a, a video, sorry, a film, but it's two? Yeah. Can you imagine trying to compute that yeah. as a child? Yeah. And then I realised um, I was then being babysat by my uncle. Hi, Mark. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Mark. <laughs> Shout out to Mark. He babysat me, uh, and this was maybe a couple of years later, and had the original Ghostbusters on VHS, the, the, the first one. And then things started to make some sense in the early 90s. Um, but anyway, so the real Ghostbusters, 87, this is when things started changing. This was a, a straight shoot map, and it was based on the cartoon series, um, developed and published by Data East. Sure, Data, yeah, Data East. East, yeah. Um, and it's it's like a vertical shooter. So you know these kind of early games like Commando where you're kind of moving up and down and you're uh -huh. just shooting enemies up and diagonally. Yep. I mean... Data East was known for that stuff. Right, so it's Ghostbusters by name and the sprites resemble some ghosts, but, you know, it's it, it feels a bit of a clone to this, just those sorts of shooters. But the reception, the critics had a hard time deciding whether it was better than the 84 original. It was criticised for its character sprites, I thought they were quite good. Um, it's scrolling, it's graphics, it's collision detection. Um, some versions for its crude music and sound, that cuts me deep. And it only really appealed to real Ghostbusters fans. Um, but in Japan, Days East released it as a non-Ghostbusters arcade game under the title, now forgive my, uh, my pronunciation, Here we go. Make You Hunter G. Sure. Translated in English as Labyrinth Hunter. So it wasn't even a Ghostbuster game in Japan. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so that's, so that again, like that period of time has a lot of that stuff. So yeah. um, do you guys remember Super Mario Brothers 2? Yes. The NES? Of course. So that's actually not a Mario Brothers game. No. It's originally a game called Doki Doki Panic. And it feels so different from yeah. a Mario game, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And like, that's why, like, it r was originally something completely different that they put a Mario skin over the top of. Yeah. So um, again, yeah, like this period of time, like, there's definitely people being like, take this game made in Japan. And then, like, slap a license <laughs> over the top of it. Licensing is just, can be so damaging. Oh, the glory days. The glory you days. You get away with it. He just had, like, Uncharted put, like, a hood on him. Now it's Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. I'd be yeah. quite up for that. <laughs> I actually want to play that game now. That sounds yeah. pretty cool. So, 
So we move in on to 89. So Ghostbusters 2 has now come out. It's it's kind of reinvigorated the the series. It's got a new generation involved and it's kind of, you know, given the given a hug to the original fans as well. So you get Ghostbusters 2 on the DOS and PC, developed by Dynamics and published by Activision. This um this is when things start to change again. We've got Ghostbusters 2. Gem, if you'd just like to demonstrate, please, just open that up and give the, the cassette a rattle or something. Love that sound. <laughs> to hear all that game in there. Absolutely love that sound. So it was kind of like, in terms of genre, it was kind of like a set piece action shooter, mostly, I've called it. Yeah. Right? Because. It's on the back of the box, Joe. <laughs> you could only play through, uh, there were various various activities. Uh, you had to hunt, uh, you were hunting to earn money through Central Park, the docks, and a department store. Um, you can collect slime samples and playback music. There was a CD player within within the game, and you can kind of conduct a bit of an experiment, which is quite cool because it's starting to take things in a slightly different direction. But you can only play through three set pieces, so it's quite a short game. Um, and again, uh, the reception was kind of okay-ish. The graphics were praised. Uh, the gameplay was varied, uh, but the duration you could finish it in an hour, Whoa. so it was super super short. So yeah, now I, again, I think for context. Um, there's an amazing review on uh, GameSpot right. uh, of one of the Half-Life expansion packs. I believe it's Opposing Force. And they say that the game comes in a little short. Now, this is when games were starting to <laughs> games were starting to get like uh, shorter to what they are, you know, what they were like, I would say like, you know, mid-tens or whatever. Um and they were said, well, it's a little short for an expansion pack at just around 23 hours. For, right? <laughs> so for an, a game to be an hour at that period of time would have been, like, bad. Like, right. you wanted a lot of value out of the thing that you spent money mm. on. Like, mm. even you know, arcade-related games and stuff like that, you felt like you were going to get dozens and dozens and dozens of hours out of it. And the fact that you could bang through it in an hour is like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that was that. Um, we're going to just motor through the next few. I want to get up to the next significant one. I'm very aware of time on this because there's so much to talk about. I understand how difficult it must have been for the Harry Potter episode. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, 89, you've then got Ghostbusters 2, Okay. On the Amstrad CPC ZX Spectrum, Atari ST, Amiga. This was developed by Force Field, published by Activision. Um, but again, this was like a set piece thing, very much like our Ghostbusters 2 over there. Um, but in this one, you could actually play as the Statue of Liberty, shooting fireballs from the torch. And But it was quite cool, because you could also control pedestrians um, that would collect slime as you were shooting ghosts with the torch as the Statue of Liberty, which... That's on, <laughs> on face value, that sounds pretty awesome. How many like, games that you play as the Statue of Liberty? Exactly. Um, but for the record, it wasn't. It, it wasn't particularly good. No. Um, the reception <laughs> was mixed at best. The graphics were praised, but the duration was, again, short. Um, same as the DOS version. It was it was kind of slammed. But now we get to 1990, and again, things start to change, okay? Um, Ghostbusters on the Genesis, all right? Um, right? Developed by Sega, published by Sega. So already, it's off to a good start, right? Um, this was a side-scrolling platform shooter, pretty strong genre for me like that that's where games were in the early 90s right so like something like a what like contra or yeah something along those lines. yeah 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 it's, okay. it's not quite sonic the hedgehog it's not that sort of platformer but it's it's a shooter you can mega shoot man. up mega man mega man's a great example yeah, yeah yeah um but the gameplay was cool you could play as uh egon ray peter um the characters had distinct traits relating to speed and shooting strength um but the big thing um was that it featured the film likeness so you have these really cool kind of caricaturist 
uh, sprites where they kind of overblown. It was like big head mode, basically. They're big heads, but you could clearly see that's Venkman, that's Stance, that's Spengler. And that was cool because it was fun. It was like Castlevania fun. It was awesome. You know, you'd you'd fight through a level, you'd have some crazy outrageous boss at the end of it. But it was also like a set piece. So it would feature the staple of Marshmallow Man. It would feature Slimer, yeah. but it wasn't centered around any of the any of the films. It was just a standalone thing, not really a story. It was just fun and it was solid and it was awesome. Mm, yeah. So that gets a significant stamp of approval from me. Um and as I say, the reception was generally good. Praised as a solid movie tie-in for its time. Hmm. But um, staying in 1990, we get Ghostbusters 2 on the NES, developed by Imagineering. Okay. Do you know them? I don't know. Rings a bell. Yeah. Did they Published do the by Disney Activision. game? One of the Disney games? Like Magical Land of whatever? Oh, I don't know. This was uh, not really similar to Ghostbusters on the Gen- Genesis. It was a side-scrolling shooter again, but the best thing about it was that you got to drive the Ecto-1, which is cool. But I think for this one, they made more of a thing of it. It was like a level right. to itself. Oh, okay. It wasn't just like a pastime to get from one thing to the next. This it was, was actually a level. It had its own proper sprite. <sighs> right. So, uh, okay. This one, this will interest you, Peter. All right. Um, so 1990, uh, new Ghostbusters 2. Yes. Okay. On the NES and Game Boy by HAL Laboratory. Yes. Uh, published by the same, same guys. This was like an overhead action shooter akin to the original Zelda games, that sort of perspective top down. Yeah. And it was pretty good. Um, Generally quite good in terms of its reception. It was great sounding. Uh, It had a lot of familiarity to the 89 film. You could also play for the first time as Winston and you could also play as Lois Tully. Yes, you could. So you had five Ghostbusters in this. This is genuinely... Now, there'll be... So uh, American listeners will not really recognise this one. This didn't actually come out in America. It came out in, I want to say, maybe PAL only. I think maybe this only came out in Europe. You're right. Um, So, which is, A, extremely odd, because, again, around this period of time, not a lot of games just got made for the European market. Um, Second of all, um, the developer is Japanese, so Hell Laboratory are a Japanese uh, publisher, uh, uh, developer. Um, And third... um, so Hal made Kirby. They made <laughs> they made Mother and Earthbound. They oh, made no. um like they're actually the developer, they're actually a Nintendo developer. Right. Um so Hal made all of these incredible games. And then they made this one Ghostbusters game for the European market. And it is incredibly good. Yeah. Like if you like if you like music mm. in, in, in video games, which I know you do, like um the soundtrack is Absolutely brilliant. The 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 sprite work for the NES mm. is wonderful because this is like 1990? Uh, 91? Yeah, uh, 90, yeah, 1990. 1990. So like you're getting towards the end of the, the NES. You're, you're really pushing what the NES can do at this point. The, like the sprites are really, really massive. There's loads of enemies on screen at one time. There's this really cool... Um, You've got the NES pad and you move around, as you say, like like in Zelda, top down Zelda, up down left right. And then with A, you use the little... Like the zappy... Lightning gun. This is how much of a Ghostbusters fan I am, Matt. You know the lightning the proton gun. one. The proton one. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the names. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that thing, um, and you zap ghosts, and they like very much. And I'm sure we'll talk about this uh, in a bit, but very much like Luigi's Mansion, where yeah. you like, you know, sucking onto them, and then you zap them for such an amount of time that they begin to shake. They go on the string. And then the second person who's with you, because you always go around as a duo, and the second character just follows you around, you press B, and they throw the trap underneath oh, underneath cool. the enemy and sucks them up. Yeah. And so you have to clear room after room after room of all these ghosts um, by doing doing this. 
Um, it's really based on um, the second Ghostbusters movie. So it's got Vigo and it's got... Um, yeah. It's got uh, the man from Ali McBeal, uh, and it's got uh, it's got like you know uh, the courtroom scene. Uh, sort of I stuff. haven't actually played the this ghost, one, but the, the ghost train. There's a there's a ghost train. In, yeah, yeah. In, so there's actually a level set on the ghost train from Ghostbusters Two. Yeah. You know, in in the underground. Yeah, that you actually get to go on it, and it's like really haunting, and like oh. Dude, it, and the fact that it's HAL Laboratory and it's one of these few games that like you'll never get to play it again because yeah. it's like a license and it's like you know uh, old hardware and stuff like that. It's honestly such a treat. This this is one of the points I was going to make, and and it's it's similar for a lot of series of games, right? I mean, Ghostbusters especially, there are some really high highs mm. and some very muddy low lows. Okay, <laughs> but this was a big high after the Genesis from 1990, which I, for me was a really really good game. I really enjoyed playing that. This was the next big high because it was just tight. It was polished. Yeah, you know the mechanics were tight. Everything felt like it was adapted well they'd taken the idea and thought right gaming's at a stage now where we can do this yeah. and there had been games that preceded it where you could draw inspiration from and you know and that's where the market was so everybody wanted that sort of thing <sighs> take a breath so I'm gonna actually get it gets a bit muddy here because these games for a long time now I haven't played because Matt Walker now at this point sorry Matt Galaxy Walker at this point <laughs> is like 10 12 years old I'm starting to play a bit more football started to you know do other things and Ghostbusters was kind of starting to wear thin on me a little bit I kind of I took a took a step aside I'm really sorry about that but you put down your pro on one but it came back when I hit the, the ripe old age of 30 let me tell you about that later <laughs> um <laughs> So, right, so there's a big gap in, in the games released here. So we had 1990, New Ghostbusters still on the NES. Thank you, Peter. 93, we get the real Ghostbusters, okay, on the Game Boy, um, developed by Chemco. Yeah, Chemco. Okay. Chemco did that. Chemco, uh, <laughs> published by Activision. Um, this was like a platform puzzle shooter. Um, gameplay, you played as Venk uh, just Venkman, um, but it was based on the cartoon series. But what was interesting about this, the Proton Pack was effective only against blocks and only at the player's feet. Bombs were used to destroy ghosts. Um, I, I don't like it that he destroy ghosts. You don't kill ghosts in Ghostbusters. You capture them. But basically, it was it, it's literally the same game as Garfield Labyrinth and Mickey Ma <laughs> and, and Mickey Mouse Four, but just different sprites. That's it. On the Ghostbusters video game um, like wiki. Uh, there were three comparisons. Everything, like even the bricks in the, in the wall in the environment, it's just the same layer. I wish we could sprites. do that. I wish I wish we could do that. I wish we could just like go and grab like the ogre engine and just be like and just be like, now it's a game about Donald Duck. Like like yeah, sure, here you go. I wish that video games were still at that. Point. But it was literally copy paste, just change the sprites. Amazing. Okay? So now there's a big gap. That was ninety three. Now we go through to two thousand one. Okay, so we skip forward eight years and you get the extreme Ghostbusters. So this is a new cartoon series. I didn't watch this. This is on the Game Boy Color, developed by Light and Shadow Productions. They actually did a few Ghostbuster games. Um, the gameplay was a standard sort of uh, Game, game Boy-style platform shooter with proton packs following the cartoon series. Um, but interesting note, Alfonso Ribeiro... Uh, I think I got the name right, voiced Roland Jackson in the cartoon series. Does anyone know who Alfonso Ribeiro is? You're going to go, oh my gosh, really? When I tell you. Go on. He played Carlton in the Fresh oh, Prince of Bel-Air. Oh. And he, he voiced one of the Ghostbusters characters. I didn't know that. Until For I was... younger listeners, the Fortnite dance man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. If you don't know Carlton, you should watch the Fresh Prince. Oh, get on really Fresh Prince. So many it's gifts. So, so many gifts. Yeah. So just following slightly after, uh, 2002, you get Extreme Ghostbusters, colon, 
Code Ecto-1 on the Game Boy Advance, yeah. again developed by Lion Shadow Productions, standard platforming shooter. The reception was mixed to good, it was quite fun, um, but just ticked all of the necessary boxes, okay? 2004, Extreme Ghostbusters, colon, the ultimate invasion. Um, <laughs> it's only so far you can elevate it. You have to keep adding more know, ultimate, definitive, know, right? extreme. Well, how many times can you make a title of Ghostbusters? You have to go to the subtitle to make something interesting of it. And um, this was on the PlayStation, um, and it was developed by Similis. Similis. I, I think that's I how it's pronounced. Similis. But this, this is this is like a list of developers that I have no idea. Who they but are. you can see the lights like, just got uh, license got thrown around. Similis. If they're still around, I would but love it, to know what they're doing. It was published by Light and Shadow again. Okay. Um, and the genre was interestingly, it was a first-person Rails cover shooter, very much. <laughs> You'd actually duck behind cover, much like you would in Time Crisis, and you'd reload that way, and you'd wait for the ghost. Is it a light gun game? Uh, yes, there was a peripheral that you could use with this. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was on PlayStation. What? So uh, the reception wasn't that that great. No. But the <laughs> idea sounds quite cool. You know, yeah, shooting yeah. zapping ghosts is, is a I love time prominent crisis. thing. Just give me that reskinned Ghostbusters oh, time gosh. crisis. I'm there. Time <laughs> crisis. It's all about time crisis. My gosh. 2009. So there's a gap. There's a gap. Four or five years. Like five years. And it's with a big, big, big significance, okay? So you get Ghostbusters, colon, the video game, okay? Right. This was ported around a bit, and the the games changed slightly. Certainly in terms of their aesthetic, there was like a, a stylized caricature version for the PlayStation 2, uh, the Wii. You could also play uh, as a male or female rookie, which is quite cool, yeah? Yeah, because you were actually interacting with the four other yeah. Ghostbusters. So this, you were the this, rookie, was the, this was the big deal because this is basically Ghostbusters 3. So it's set in like 1991, 1992, a couple of years after Ghostbusters 2, after the events of the film, and it follows this original story penned by the original guys, Howard Ramis, oh, nice. Dan Aykroyd, uh, and you play as a rookie, um, following you've just been hired by the Ghostbusters and it, it features all the original voice actors Bill Murray or uh, Ernie Hudson all that the all the greats great. so it's immediately authentic and you're like yeah sold awesome yeah. how does it hold up mechanically super super tight really yeah I mean I haven't played the PS2 or Wii versions but the reception was pretty good okay um, flash forward slightly to the 360 and the PS3 version which I have played brilliant Absolutely, that's the one that's just come out on Switch. It's been remastered. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on, we're going to get to that. Right, it's been, on. it's Sorry. been. You can't see this remastered. Okay. Oh okay. Mm. Quote and quote. Um, but the game, this one, the first, the 2009 360 version, which I had, it's essentially a fishing game. It has fishing mechanics, so it's a third-person action shooter on on face value. You run around, you wear the ghosts down, you, you tire them out, then you, you you fire your capture stream, and then you start wrangling them ah, like a fish like fishing game. <laughs> into, the, into the trap, which you throw at yourself. But the physics are brilliant. The animations are brilliant because the ghosts are like this, like, no, 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 no. I don't want like, to be trapped. And they're just like trying their best to sort of grab away. And you're literally like, oh my God, like trying to wrangle this thing into oh, the I trap. Excellent. And the battles, even... And not even the boss battles, just a standard foe. That's so, so cool because you, you, you start to build that sort of idea in your Ghostbuster. Like it was a, a strenuous effort to get that sure. simple class three vapor or whatever into a <laughs> trap, right? So the game was amazing. I was already sold, but the, the reception was really, really, really good. Yeah. So as I say, it's set after Ghostbuster 2. It's a continuation of the story. Introduces a new rookie character on the 360 and the PS3. Breaking my rule, not slowing down at all. Um, 
you can only play as a male rookie though, an, an unvoiced male rookie. But the tone was good. The cinematics were good. Right, okay. it, it played on the fact that your job title uh, was basically a QA and an equipment QA safety technician. So whenever Egon and Ray would develop new tech, you're the guy to test it out because they didn't know whether you get exploded or something. But that was <laughs> nice. your job title. Expendable. <laughs> yeah. You're ex- and the, Peter Venkman even says like, oh, we don't want to get too attached to this guy. You know what happened to the last one? Like oh, that's God. a line from the thing. And, and then you go into testing the pack. And I think you're playing the game for about three and a half minutes and you get strapped on with the proton pack. That's what the game's about. It just ticks all the boxes. 2011, couple of years later this is where this might interest you Gem so you get games now Ghostbusters colon Sanctum of Slime okay uh-huh. uh, developed by Behaviour Santiago uh, uh-huh. published by Atari and this was like a co-op twin stick shooter up to t- up to four players um, but it had a lot of similarities in, in terms of how it played this is a bit of a vulgar um, comparison but to games like Marvel Ultimate Alliance where you had like a collection of of heroes and you kind of leave them around a map and stuff and you could kind of switch between um, characters, but it had that sort of perspective, hmm. uh, very much like you mentioned, like Luigi's Mansion, yeah. that sort of thing, very loosely, but that's yeah, where yeah. it was sort of going. Um, but the reception was negative. Um, but I feel personally, I haven't played it, but from what I've seen, I feel like that could have been quite a good game, actually. I don't quite know what they missed, but it wasn't received very well. 2012, Ghostbusters Paranormal Blast on the iOS and Android. So we're starting to get small now, okay? We're going mobile. Developed, uh, sorry, published by XMG. Any ideas who they don't know? XMG, no, no. This was um, the first of the Ghostbusters augmented reality games. Um, This this (laughs) precedes Pokemon Go. Okay, when we get when we get to Ghostbusters World, that's a cool game. I've got on my phone. Really enjoy it. It's basically Pokemon Go but with Ghostbusters augmented reality. Okay, Um, but the reception to this one was mixed. Um, Some love it, some hate it. It really does split the fan base a bit. But the idea, uh, how that can be um, conducted, sounds like, yeah, that's that's a good match. Those two things seem like they can match together, right? So what's the augmented reality of it? So um, you, you're scanning around. You actually you, you whip out the PKE meter and you're scanning around this room, for example, and you're yeah. following like a bit of a beacon and then a ghost will just pop up, like up against that wall. Ah, so you're using the camera on the phone. Yeah, you use the camera on your phone right. to actually capture ghosts. And then the, the proton one comes out, you start zapping it. But it's like a, a bit of a card game because you collect those ghosts and then you've got this huge archive of the ghosts that you've captured, new and old. Um, okay, 2013, Ghostbusters on the iOS. Um, by Beeline Interactive. Yes. Okay. Uh, this was a straight action game. Um, the combat, for me, this again, I think precedes Fallout Shelter, but the combat of Fallout Shelter is quite similar to this entire game, pretty much. You've got this kind of side scrolling, autonomous combat, um, very kind of light in tone um, art style. Um, and it was good. The, the, rea- the reaction to this was quite good, um, but it wasn't liked for its overuse of microtransactions. No one liked that. I mean, Everyone who, loves microtransactions. Who, who, who likes that? <laughs> no what one likes that. Gosh, man, we need, to, we need to try and wrap this on. There's so many Ghostbusters. We're getting to the end. 2014, Ghostbusters Pinball. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's a pinball game. Okay, you got it. Uh, developed by Farsight Studios. Brilliant. Um, 2015, this is quite cool. Ghostbusters Puzzle Fighter. Oh, for God's sake. On the iOS. But... <sighs> Where to start with this one? It's kind of part puzzler, part card game, part RPG. Part who cares? Part who cares? <laughs> like, similar. It was quite forgettable, but I have played it and it is fun. 
Um, okay. And it's similar to like um, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Mean Machine, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Machine, yeah. and like Candy Crush Bejeweled. Okay. It's yeah, a bit yeah. like that. Um, but the one thing I hate about it is that uh, Janine, the receptionist, is, is kitted out in all the, all the gear. But th- she's wearing like a stupidly tight outfit, like showing way too much midriff oh, legs. You're like, this. that is not the character. I, th- I think I was at Pocket Gamer when this game came out. Yeah. And I think I remember saying like, I think I remember saying, like, why is Janine in this outfit? Yeah, it's <laughs> absolutely like, All the bizarre. others are in, like, just, you know, like, they look like janitors with high-powered lasers. <laughs> yeah. Janine looks like, looks like she's pretending to be them at a sexy Halloween party. Yeah, so it's like a sexy Halloween costume, so it's like sexy, you know, crazy- seance hunter. Like- <laughs> right, so 2016, so the new film has come out, Ghostbusters Answer the Call, okay? Um, this was on the PS4, sorry, just called Ghostbusters, on the PS4, Xbox One and PC. Um, developed by Fireforge Games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Published, so it's gone back to Activision. I was seeing a lot of this. Um, this was like a third-person action role-playing game. Um, I haven't played this. I've that looked knows. at it. It looks beautiful. It's got, again, this really OTT caricature style, art style. It features two female, two male Ghostbusters um, set within the universe, but not directly a sequel or set within the 2016 film. Um, but the gameplay is very much like that previous Marvel Alliance sort of thing right. I was describing, like Luigi's Mansion is kind of top down. Um, mechanically, it was sound, but the reception was really poor. Really poor, um, and it had really slow, arduous gameplay. Apparently, haven't played it. It was uh, it was too linear and very repetitive. But on face value, like I, I was looking at YouTube on the, at this yesterday, and I was thinking, go and pick that up. Yeah, add that to the collection. All right. Um, but based on that. Wasn't very good. Right. Big significant one for me. Uh, the reception actually was only average to good. But I think it's awesome. This is Ghostbusters World. So going back to augmented reality. Um, this is developed by Next Stage. So augmented, augmented reality is more of a thing now. So Pokemon Go has come out, sure. uh, which was an absolute hit, right? People walking off cliffs, apparently, whatever. It was a big, big hit it was amongst amazing. gamers. I went on a 500-person <laughs> Pokemon Go hunt in town. What? So organized it. The general public, we were just coming through. Traffic was having to stop. Did you catch something good? Yeah, there was a Rapidash, which hadn't, no one had seen before. There's like what? like hundred of us running. It's over there. Everyone runs over to try and get it. It was great fun. It was Amazing. a beautiful summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. And, um, you know, one thing that is surrounding all of these sorts of episodes is the idea of fandom. You know, why, why are we passionate about this sort of stuff? And what you described there is exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Exactly that. So, yeah, for me, Ghostbusters World, as you described then, Gem, it, I mean... By and large, it's, it's essentially Pokemon Go with ghosts, mm-hmm. okay? You collect the ghosts, uh, you get a huge archive of cards at the end of it. It's really, really fun to play, and you Pokemon can play it anywhere. ghosts. Oh. Take a sip of my tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Victory <it>. sip. <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> ghosts. Okay, now this is when things are interesting, okay? I've marked it as a significant one, um, but it's really, really fun. It's not a remaster, okay? You'll have to play this. This is Ghostbusters, the video game, colon, remastered on the PS4. Um, it sounds like a remaster. It's not a remaster. There it's are so many... I mean, there is lots of comparisons on YouTube of the 2009 game and the 2019 game. So there's a 10-year gap between the two. Yeah. But it's basically a port. But it was essentially built or, oh. or rebuilt. They took all those old, all that old code and made it for the PS4. And it holds up super, super tight. There's no multiplayer, as far as I remember. Maybe there's been a patch for it now, I don't know. Um, but it's it's basically, they've, they invested a bit of time and money into getting this game re-released on PS4 and current gen. Because, of course, the new film comes out this year, Afterlife comes out this year. The textures, 
don't really change. Um, the, the character um, 3D models are, you know, very, very last gen still, but it's on a PS4 disc. Right. Um, but it's, it's not a remaster. I'm currently playing the Nathan Drake Uncharted um, remaster. That's a remaster. Yeah. Right. I'm playing okay, that on PS4. Yeah, I can tell it feels like a PS3 game, but the visuals are crisp. It, the textures are great. Ghostbusters, the video game remastered, ain't that, unfortunately. Okay. But it's great to play. It, you know, wrangling those ghosts, fish mechanics into a trap never gets old. So that's basically, that's the last Ghostbusters video game. You know, there's, there's board game and card games as well. When the film comes out this year, I'm really interested to see where they're going to go with it. Ghostbusters, Stranger Things. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters, Stranger Things. I'm ready but we've, for it. We've touched on like the Harry Potter game that you want. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've loosely touched on the Ghostbusters game that I want. You know, and within the community, within the podcast that I listen to, Everybody wants to run your own branch. They've done it in the comics. There's a branch in Chicago that the business has grown a bit. So they start to hire and franchise the business. But do you want it like Mega Aquarium style where you've got to like maintain the equipment and investment, like make profit? Yeah, ultimately, I don't don't really mind what sort of style of game that is. I just want to manage the business. If it ended up being like football manager... Mm. with Ghostbusters where you've got now a team you have to manage their fatigue you have to put them out on assignments you have to manage your budget you have to get sponsors for imagine like the Ghostbusters jumpsuit with like you know Coca-Cola across the front or something that would be really really cool try and get more ghouls in the other team (laughs) yeah exactly but if that ended up being like a Grand Theft Auto style open world sandbox or something sure. that would be great yeah. but i think you can get more detail if it just went spreadsheet ghostbusters and was like a football manager that i would love to be like that yeah that I'd would like be that. really really I'd cool i'd build the office though and i could decorate and stuff yeah. that'd be cool hire different staff like oh this this secretary's sassy but like they got good <laughs> ghost knowledge blah so let's hire them that'd be cool i'm just gonna we're done i'm, I'm spent i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna drop the mic and uh that's it for those um anything you want to add guys that's a lot of ghost busting. There is a lot of ghost busting. Ah, I've got a headache. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely failed my one rule, which was to slow down uh, while speaking to try and get the words out. Because my brain and my mouth don't <laughs> tend to work together. <sighs> Do you feel educated I've somewhat? A lot. I didn't know much about Ghostbusters, and I think I know everything about <laughs> Ghostbusters. It's been a bit of a uh, like a verbal dumping on the episode, just like. <laughs> bleh. But just a few other things to mention before we wrap up this episode, and we need to wrap up this episode because people are bored of hearing my voice now. We'll leave all the links, all the necessary links, in the show notes, right? But so we've mentioned the 2020 teaser to the teaser trailer. Okay, that'll be in there, which is really, really cool. Watch that first if you haven't already. Then you've got Ghostbusters Afterlife, now called Afterlife, trailer one, which is still a bit of, it's a a more full length teaser trailer. There's no real narrative in it. Watch that because it's very, very good, I find. Um, There's a great documentary which was uh, funded on Kickstarter called Ghost Heads. Um, It was available on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's not anymore. But it's a great, great documentary about these uh, communities, these kind of sub-communities within the Ghostbuster hub called Ghost Heads. And th- every state in America has their own Ghost Heads, basically their own Ghostbusters. They all have their own patch, so you've got the No, the no Ghost logo, but it's like um, custom-made to look like the state. And there's, all, there's something significant about the way that the ghost looks as well, for example. So say, for example, um, 
it was in Texas, you might have one that looks like a cowboy or something. Yeah. I don't know. Bristol, where we as a studio are based, has its own Ghostbusters, Yay. Bristol Ghostbusters. And the Ghostbuster logo looks like a pirate. Oh, that's because excellent. Bristol is known for its, uh, its piracy, piracy <laughs> back in the day <laughs> and smuggling tobacco and God knows what else. So these, they're great community groups. The reason they're great, Gem, is because one, they love and they're super passionate about the, the fan base, right? The, the, about the fandom. But dressed as Ghostbusters, full kit, replica packs, everything. They'll go to hospitals at Christmas and give presents to children. They'll go and collect money in supermarkets. They do these amazingly heartfelt community shows of uh, affection, you know, to kind of raise money, raise awareness for things. And they're doing something really quite beautiful, you know, really, really great. Uh, also, a couple of ad campaigns recently. So the first one was Halifax a few years ago. Halifax the Bank. Right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah they it featured them in, didn't they? <laughs> the editing was, was actually quite odd. cool. It was a really weird mishmash of yeah. Ghostbusters and Halifax, <laughs> and that's Halifax. And only recently, I think it might have been either the start of 2020 or towards the end of 2019, um, QuickBooks, and they took it a step further. They actually recreated the interior of the Ghostbuster house. They employed um, Annie Potts, who plays Ginny Melnitz, to reprise her role full get up in the <laughs> office and basically they take it on they take it as though the ghostbusters use quickbooks so she's there playing the character going through yeah we do this for the for us and then, that's really cool <laughs> it's really really cool it's a very very good idea and it got everyone thinking about ghostbusters again uh even more so and thinking about quickbooks um there's loads of Ghostbuster podcasts, but the my go-to one is the interdimensional cross rip unofficially official Ghostbuster podcast. So, notes done. Do the call to action. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> cool. So, uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast um, and all of our social channels. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn. LinkedIn? Or if you're a business. <laughs> We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook um, and drop into our Discord to chat. There's always on there to chat about anything, any of the fandoms that you're a fan of. Come and, come and chat to us, guys. <laughs>